got a name, I'm worthy of change, same as you are. Mirror, mirror, don't you judge me, don't you dare. Who knew I was capable of loving? Who is there staring back? I said, staring back at me. Ooh, it's been a long time coming. I love my. Hello, folks, and welcome to the Transitional Wisdom Podcast, where Nash and I discuss all things trans and queer related from a variety of different perspectives. Today, we are going to be discussing... Uh, This episode, we're going to talk about gatekeeping, both uh, medically and like family or partner-wise, and basically don't do it. (laughs) The overall theme. (laughs) Yeah, the overall, just don't do it. Yeah. So, how about you share your experience with your... Okay. And everything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I talked about it before. Uh, my first uh, like trans medical journey related appointment I made was at a Planned Parenthood, which was horrible. Did not go well. Maybe since they have gotten better, um, ba- ba- basically didn't know what I was talking about. So I then did more research and found a center. I was lucky enough to be able to travel to up in Chicago called Howard Brown. And they operate under informed consent for anyone who's 18 years old and older. So basically you go in and you meet with them and basically explain like why you're there, like how you're wanting to transition. They go through all of your options, um, like different means of, you know, testosterone or estrogen, whichever, whichever one. Um, they offer uh, prep there they go over all of that with you they take blood work your first appointment and then they give you a prescription that same day so that was really important for me because i had already spent so much time like researching and thinking about it i didn't need another person to tell me well really need to do these two more things before we can give you what you want in a way um they're also very good about taking levels like that was to in order to like within your first year, within your first six months, I had to have my blood work tested at three months and then at six months. And then I think again at my one year mark, okay. I think after six months, they allowed you to go six months, but they, they will not refill your prescription if your blood work is not up to date. Is that something you knew going, like, did, were you expecting that to be the way it went going into the situation? Or is that something you learned after your I, first appointment? I, no, I expected that because I had, when I found the center, I went to their website and read, like, they have, like, a lot of their forms and their policies, like, up on their website. And so, like, I spent a lot of time going through that. Um, I don't think I read, I don't think I knew anybody who had been to that center before. So I don't think I had anyone personally that I reached out to. Um, but that, that was kind of the norm and because of what I had been seeing, like just through Instagram, were people talking about getting levels checked. So I already had that kind of exposure and knowing like that's something that should be done. So that's I, I kind of expected that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, 
I ask you because I did not know that you needed to have levels taken. I didn't know that that was important or like mm-hmm. a way that they oh. track. Well, and you started hormones four years ago. Yeah, right? almost four. Yeah, four or five. Yeah, and so I started, you know, a little over two. So I mean, that kind of shows. Yeah. Even just in that time, just kind of the difference in like even our own education within as like a community. For sure. Because now I know a lot more than I did before. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure some of that is probably just with, you know, talking to other people, putting myself out there, like, li- and your personal experience. Yeah. And personal experience, all of those things. Because yeah, like when I was going into starting hormones, like, first of all, um, I talked about this in another episode a little more, but like when I was originally trying to start, it was back in New Jersey and I had found a therapist who claimed to be a a trans specialist and she was not. Um, She told me like right off the bat that in order to transition, you had to do everything. You had to take hormones, you had to have top surgery, you had to have bottom surgery, period. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, it's like zero, you go from zero to 60, there's no in between. Mm -hmm. So like, not that I was non-binary, but... I was unsure of what I wanted. Like, I didn't even know if I wanted... Yeah, that would still be very daunting for a binary person. Totally, because I was... When I first started to, like, explore what I was trying to figure out, what I, you know, what I needed, what I wanted to do, I I was thinking, oh, well, maybe if I just have top surgery, that would be enough. Because, like, my biggest problem was my chest. Like, I could... At that point, I thought I could deal with, like, the pronouns and stuff. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was like my chest that was the biggest issue. And she was like, no, no, no. You have to do all of it or you do none. And so like, bye, left her. That was really, mm-hmm. that was really damaging, I will say. Like, yeah. I could spend a whole hour talking about how damaging that was. But um, We'll have to do an episode on, <laughs> on the, 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 the therapy we've needed for the therapy we've gone to. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. But if you live in New Jersey and someone calls themselves a trans specialist, please ask for their like <laughs> resume or something. Yeah. Uh, if you live anywhere. Stop, stop doing that. Just yeah. don't call yourself a trans specialist or an expert yeah. or... Because as far as I know... Just don't. Because then that gives us expectations going totally. in. Like, because mine, mine did the same thing and... I had to explain non-binary. Right. Like, I had to explain they, them. Like, my first hour shouldn't... Like, that... You shouldn't like, be why teaching. Like, why am I... Yeah, why am I teaching no, you? <laughs> no. And, and also, like, yeah. as far as I know, like, and if there's somebody that knows differently, please let us know. But as far as I know, there's no college course or there's no, like, certification of being, like, a trans specialist. So, therefore... Like, nobody should be claiming that, you know? You can go to school for, like, a, to be, a, like, a divorce attorney and all that stuff, but, like, I don't know that there's anything for being a specialist in the trans community. All right. If there is, let us yeah, know. please, because I'm interested. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, so then from her, I went to a different therapist in New Jersey who also said that they specialized in trans people and stuff, and, like... It was kind of the same thing. Like, I had to explain a lot of my own feelings and, like, try to, like, convince this person that I was trans, which was, like, very, like, daunting for me because I was just, like, I just need somebody to validate me at this point and, like, help me with what's next and whatever. And the thing that I, the thing that I didn't like about their process was, like, they required me to go to therapy for three to six months before they would allow me to go to a doctor for hormones and I think that had I been younger like you know so I was like 26 when I was doing this had I been younger or had I been um 
just like expressing more of like I don't know what I want to do. I think that would have been cool, like to go through that process. Um, but to be going through that process when I was like pretty comfortable with my decision, like I knew what I wanted. It was more of like I need someone needed somebody to help me sort through the feelings of like being mm-hmm. ready to start and come out. You know that was tough. So that was you know. I ended up moving to Seattle to transition partially because of these two experiences and then partially other stuff. But in Seattle, the one thing that I really loved, like Washington is just straight up informed consent. So as long as you're 18 or over, it's, it's informed consent. So mm-hmm. um, the first place I went to was Cedar River Clinics, which I thought they were great when I went there. Like some of the stuff like you've talked about with Howard Brown, like they had pamphlets, they had you know, all kinds of material that was trans-related. They had doctors who understood. They didn't, you know, I wrote down, they they had on the sheet, like, you know, preferred name. They didn't even have you write down mm-hmm. your birth name. You know, it was all preferred name. And I had actually changed my preferred name from when I made the appointment to when I actually went. Um, so, like, and that was no big deal. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, no problem. Here, let's just change it. No problem. Super yeah. easy and comfortable. Um, and then the person I you know, met with for the hormones was a trans person. So I was like, this place is awesome. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't ask for a better experience. And, you know, I met with them. They went over pros and cons, signed off on it. Was And I, you know, I left the same day with a prescription like you did. Um, And they even offered like couples counseling for Blair and I, like, which was cool. Um, And, you know, like, yeah, I thought everything was great. And then it was like, after like six months, I, like going towards six months, I had never had my levels tested and I didn't know that was something that needed to be done. I was just trusting that these doctors were doing things yeah. the right way or whatever. So around like six months, I started having really bad acne and it was like very painful, very cystic acne. And it was like taking over my face. <laughs> and I had reached out like concern because mostly because of the pain, like Forget how mm-hmm. bad it looked on like on my face. It was like the pain was just really bad. And they just kept telling me like, oh, you know, some people get acne that can be part of the process, which it absolutely can, but it can also be indicative of something else. Mm-hmm. So. And like, and no offer. No. For you to no. like, okay, let's figure out what's going no, on. No, just simply like, this is, you know, this is this, part of. This is part of this, it. This can be part of the process, basically. So I. I don't even know what made me push to have a blood test. It might have been... I was going to a support group at the same time for trans people, so it might have been somebody in the group mentioned it. I can't remember. But I ended up like saying, I want you to test my levels. They did. And my T-level was like 1,100, which I found out later was like, for my age and everything, was like bordering like heart attack level. Like I was getting up there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was really scary because I was obviously trusting that like what they're doing is safe and and the right path and everything. And even when they even when they told me that that was my levels, they were so casual about the way they said it. Like so either they didn't know it was dangerous or they were trying to like gloss over that it was dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there I ended up switching doctors to like an actual doctor versus a clinic because I just felt like they weren't taking my care into consideration. So I switched to the polyclinic, which I've talked about before. And actually my episode with Ilva, Ilva talks about the polyclinic cause that's where she goes. And she's had similar experiences. Like they're so on top of things. They 
test your levels like every three months mm-hmm. um they and then if even if you like even outside of my one year window because after one year i think like the standard if your levels are stable or whatever the mm-hmm. standard is that you just come every six months or something yeah for blood levels so even after the like one year whatever if i felt like i wasn't feeling well like mentally if i felt like something was off i would reach out and say like hey i'm not feeling great and he mm-hmm. the doctor would say come in and let's do your blood let's see if there's anything going on mm-hmm. and like i i did that probably every two or three months like for my first two years mm-hmm. and there was no issue. They never were like, okay, this is too much. You're, you know, no. And every time I did express that, something was off. Like, my levels were changing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the doctor, like, pretty quickly, like, right away almost, put me on estrogen blockers, which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't know that that was something that a trans per- like a masculine person would need or could need. Mm-hmm. And he explained all that to me, put me on them, and... You know, he kept saying, like, once you have a hysterectomy, you probably won't need these anymore. Again, never knew that. Mm -hmm. And he was exactly right. Once I had the hysterectomy, my levels, like, evened out and have pretty much, they've stayed the same since then. And I'm not on estrogen blockers. And, like, I would never have known that. Yeah. (laughs) I would just never have known that. And I just really think that, like, sometimes these, like, clinics or whatever... Um, like your experience with the Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. like sometimes sometimes they tend to be more of like these in and out type of like factory experiences where they get people in for the hormones they and then they get them out. So mm-hmm. I think they're really good as like starting off points for somebody who knows what they need is ready to start. It's a great place to go. Mm-hmm. I think like long term care wise, it might not be the most ideal unless you are somebody who is having stable levels and you're not. And doesn't need more of that like more personalized exactly yeah the personalized or like the extra care you know Mm -hmm. if if your levels are stable and you just need the blood test once a year or whatever to Mm -hmm. check like those are probably good options because they tend to be like more affordable cheaper whatever Mm -hmm. or if you're like don't have insurance or lower income type of thing like that seems like a really really good option so that's why i chose that it was a good option for like Mm -hmm. (laughs) affordable um but i think that beyond that like other considerations need to be like taken um and you know while i have not gone to the lgbt center here in la when i moved here i was asking people like my friends that i knew or other people i knew Mm -hmm. online like where do you go for hormones and stuff and most of them had gone to the lgbt center or were currently going and they all and they don't even these people don't know each other but they all had like a very similar experience that like they don't the, they don't really get their levels tested that often like they have to usually ask to get their levels tested um and that like the the same thing as i described like they were they're really good for getting you in getting you on hormones and they're really good with like paperwork for name changes for all that stuff like apparently it's really really good for all the kind of preliminary or even getting scheduling a histo but as far as like the personalized or like the in between care, mm-hmm. if you have issues with the hormones, it seems like they fall short there from these pe- what these people are sharing. And the biggest thing which alarmed me was like they all most of these people said like they felt like they needed estrogen blockers because they weren't seeing changes. They weren't like they were having issues here, here, whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends like actually outright asked for estrogen blockers and. I'll have to ask him specifically what he was told, but, like, basically he was not given estrogen blockers. I don't know what the reasoning was. I don't know whatever, but, like, 
everything pointed to he should be on them mm-hmm. and he's not and so it seems like you know like i said the kind of basic of just like here's your hormones really really good but beyond that they don't they're not there's no follow up and that's concerning because how are we supposed to, like, you know, like I said, I didn't know I needed blockers. How mm-hmm. are any of us supposed to know that? And that kind of ties into, like, what we talked about last time, like, of just our community having to help one another more and having to share these these things more than most communities, I think, need to because that's the only way that we're able to get this information. Yeah, it, it is. We have to do a lot of, like, intercommunal, like, educating, you know? I, we have to share our experiences because... Like, without fail, I, I feel that it's always constant advocating in a doctor's office. You know, it's always yeah. us having to not only say what we need, but why we need it. You know, right. we're, we're having right. to justify and having to fight. Like, I, I have left, I have made two appointments to have, like, trigger warning, uh, my annual, like, pap Mm. done and i have left both appointments without having them done because they refused to give me one even though i have stated my concerns that because (laughs) since i am i have been on testosterone you know like i feel that i should like i haven't had one since i've started testosterone and like they have told me that insurance quote unquote won't cover it even though they will because it it's like within too many too many years you know like you're supposed to i guess wait three years in between them is what they're telling me and so i've left both appointments going fully going in expecting to have this done sitting and talking to someone saying no this these are my reasons like why i think i should have one you know that's mind-blowing and have left both of them without having them done whereas so first of all that's like really upsetting yeah it is Um, and then just real quick and then i i was at a doctor for i don't know i had like food poisoning or something bad one day and when she went over like what i was due for that i was overdue for a pap according to their records so can you like bring that to the other place and be like listen like Look, I think I'm just I'm just going to go to the other place and have okay. it done through them. That might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just that like I mean, you know, <laughs> like I can't tell you the amount of times like I've spent on the phone like being yeah. told one thing and then having it turn out to be something else, or, you know, it's just like totally. we're we're always having to fight for it and still sometimes we we're not listened to. Yeah. That's you know, that's something I really loved about the polyclinic in Seattle was like I never had to worry about that. Like Mm -hmm. if, like my doctor was the one that, like the doctor at the polyclinic, he was the one that told me, Dr. Hatfield, if anybody lives in Seattle, go to Dr. Hatfield. (laughs) He's the one that told me like, you need to have a pap smear done every, you know, whatever, three years, whatever it was, I forget now at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then even, so he, oh, I remember, I think it was like every three years on T, but then after a hysterectomy, it would be every five years, I believe. Don't quote me. But like I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought you still had to get them yearly because mm-hmm. that you know pre-transition that was what you know I was doing. That's what yearly. I had been told as well. Right, yeah. right. So like I assumed that. So I was kind of avoiding them and being anxious about like, oh my mm-hmm. god, I'm putting this off when I didn't need to be anxious uh-huh. about it. And then um, 
you know, but like I said, he was the one that informed me of that stuff. And he's just really like a special person in the sense of like he goes above and beyond. Like he, you know, he just like cares. And that's what we need more of. Like we more, we need more of doctors like that mm-hmm. who just genuinely care and want to help us. Um, you know, and like I've had, I've been lucky enough to have that experience with him. And I feel lucky enough to have that with like the, my phalloplasty surgeon with Dr. Chen, like mm-hmm. same thing, just above and beyond. Um, and it scares me that like that seems to be the unique experience mm-hmm. when it should be the norm. Like these bad experiences we're talking about, those should be the unique ones. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's not. Um, no, it's not like these stories that were shared, they're not like few and far between. Right. You know, I, I guarantee you could ask probably the majority of trans people and they've had some sort of either either uncomfortable or just downright damaging. Right. You know, but I think that I think that we as like trans people often feel like we're complaining or like if we talk about these things like we're being negative even when we're recording this episode i'm sitting Mm -hmm. here like man are c and i being too negative talking about all these bad things and then i'm like but no we're not because these are these are exactly what happened yeah it happened yeah this is what needs to be shared because like when we're not when when somebody's not sharing it is silencing other people like how we've talked about before Mm -hmm. it's just silencing other people who are having these experiences and we need to stop like silencing one another and just like share this bullshit and Mm -hmm. you know work together to like make it better and everything and i think that and especially you know like the reason i was like i said my doctor's specific name is because like those those are the doctors like we need to give them the positive like you know hey you're doing a really good job because Mm -hmm. that's how that's the only way that they're gonna keep doing that and that's also the only way that like potentially other people are gonna step up too like absolutely i mean i've i've recommended yeah and you know like (laughs) I've recommended people like yeah. friends of mine to go to Howard Brown. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as like just based off of my experiences, you know. As yeah. like that way, you know, hopefully they have just as good of an experience and they don't have to go through, you know, right. the shitty stuff that we've already that we've already gone through, you know, if yeah. we can help anybody avoid those moments. Yeah. You know, even with my acne, I didn't know that there was anything to be done about it mm-hmm. when you know, other than like, let's change the T level. Like I thought it was just like, it would have to pass. And the first time I went into Dr. Hatfield with my, um, with my levels, like from the previous doctor Mm -hmm. and he looked at them and he looked at my face and like, I remember he was like, we have a dermatologist right there, like Mm -hmm. right down that hallway. And he's like, I want you to go there when we're done and make an appointment and tell them that I sent you. And that's exactly what I did. Like, I walked down there, told them that, and they mm-hmm. were like, okay, we c- he can see you on Monday. It was, like, days later, mm-hmm. okay? And I've never experienced – I've never gone to a dermatologist, but, like, I know, like, my siblings have, and they've always had to wait, like, a month or two months for an appointment. I waited, like, days, a couple mm-hmm. days. And I remember I went into that appointment. The guy was like, Dr. Hatfield told me, you know, all about you, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, so this is what we're going to do. And he, he had tried um, – Basically, I ended up on Accutane, but in order to get Accutane, you have to be, uh, do- you have to have documented that with a doctor that you have tried two other oh. types of ways of to get rid of the acne. So he had to he had to give me like a cream and mm-hmm. mineral antibiotic first, which he knew it was not going to do anything. But we had to go through these the, 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 the gatekeeping, yeah, <laughs> more gatekeeping in order to get to go, yeah. 
Yeah, so we had to go through that, so we did that, and then he, and he did it right away because he knew that like this needs to be taken care mm-hmm. of. And then from there, I went on the Accutane, and that was like the greatest thing ever because it was the only thing that worked. But with the Accutane, you have to if you are a a a person born female who has the ability to get pregnant, whether you sleep with cis men or not, mm-hmm. if you have if your body has the capability of becoming pregnant, the like i don't know whoever whoever controls these medications the fda i guess you're required to take pregnancy tests once once a month so i had to first of all i had to sign off that i was abstinent from sex with cis men uh-huh i had to do that every month in order to get my prescription and i had to take a pregnancy test every month that's wild yeah yeah um so stuff like that doesn't it doesn't bother me like because I don't know. I'm not as sensitive to that stuff, but mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are, and that's totally valid. So that's why I'm sharing it because I think it's it was alarming for me to hear that, even though I'm not sensitive to those things. Mm-hmm. So I know that somebody who you know m- maybe has a, a little bit more of like dysphoria around that or whatever, it would be really damaging to hear that. <laughs> so yeah, that's why I'm sharing. Like you know, if you are going that Accutane route, like keep that in mind. Um, and it's not the doctor's fault. Like they have no control. Like. He's just doing what he has to do. So yeah, insurance is a huge gatekeeper. Yeah, like I mean, that's why, you know, it's it's a lot of it boils down to insurance companies and how they want to cover surgeries or cover hormones or you know, I yeah, yeah. So, but again, I wouldn't have known about the Accutane if that doctor didn't didn't you know say that. Mm -hmm. Like I never would have known that that was an option at all. Um, And that's that's concerning too. (laughs) like but again that's why like i choose to share those things because there's other people that are going through the same thing and just think that there's no answer the only answer is to suffer with it um you know you always got options always got options we the the part that's scary is that we don't always know that there are options Mm -hmm. or or what they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so like again it falls back on us as like the community to share those things because how else how else is anybody gonna know you know, we don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> um, so what? Let's talk about the family gatekeeping, mm. or or family or partner or friend gatekeeping. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's you know going to be different than the the medically, uh, the medical professional gatekeeping. But it just kind of boils down to like maybe how you respond yeah. to the trans people in your life. Like, be supportive. Like, don't question us. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I've i heard from other people, like, parents that have said, oh, that's fine, just don't have surgeries, or, you know, don't go, go on hormones, or, like, don't do that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, or that... Are you, sh- are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't ask that. Like, yeah. the, the likelihood is that we have thought about this probably obsessively for quite a while and like this isn't just some out of the blue revelation especially I think you know for you and I we both like kind of started around the same age like Mm. like in our mid to later 20s like we kind of like knew ourselves at like you know, we've been through a lot of shit by that point in our life you know and we've had a lot yeah exactly like (laughs) We are, but we're not, but we are. Right. <laughs> Mostly are. <laughs> Mostly are. 
Yeah. I mean, just like, just be supportive. Don't question us. I think unless there's like, you know, a consistent history of an individual, like, making choices and going back on them or yeah. committing committing to things that they're not, you know, that... Like, that they haven't thought like, of or... Yeah, like, unless there's that sort of history, mm-hmm. um, I think that there's there really shouldn't be room for are you sure or mm-hmm. have you have you thought about this or mm-hmm. you know any of those things like well don't have surgery okay you can take hormones but don't do this part mm-hmm. you know um because like you said we're, we're thinking about this way you know by the time we've come out i think that you know 9.9 times out of 10 <laughs> the person has like spent at least a couple months or something thinking about mm-hmm. this it's not you know i i don't really I can't imagine somebody thought about it one night and the next morning was like, let me tell everyone I know. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is really hard to share with people. So, like, I just can't see somebody telling everyone without really putting thought into it. Um, and I think that oftentimes, like, people think that saying, like, you know, are you sure or have you ha- have you thought about this through? Asking those things, it's super damaging. Mm-hmm. And then you're also kind of telling that person, like, well, your identity is not really valid yet. That you because... don't believe them. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I think, like, the support needs to, like, you need to lead with the support. And then if there's questions that come up along that path afterwards, like, after mm-hmm. you have already proven your support or whatever, I see that as being more okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. instead of, like, asking, like, are you sure? Like, what does this mean for you? yeah. Like and and like? and also if they don't have question or answers right away, that's completely okay. valid. You know, yeah. they don't need to yeah. line out. I want this surgery. I want to start home. You know, like all of these things are always so wrapped into, you know, our identities. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more of us than yeah. just like when we're gonna start and when we want surgery and like all of these other things. Yeah, and I think that questions are okay. Um, they have to be like you know asked in a supportive mm-hmm. way or whatever like i remember my dad uh and he was one of the people i was the most concerned about and when i told him like the the only question he really had was like okay so you you start hormones and then do you have like all the surgeries like at the same time and i was like no it doesn't work like that that would be great <laughs> right that would be great you know maybe one like, day <laughs> right i was like it doesn't work like that and then you know he and then his follow up was like okay so like are you going to have all the surgeries? Like he just wanted to understand where I was at, mm-hmm. you know? And, and while I was uncomfortable at the time being asked that, that was mm-hmm. my own thing. Mm-hmm. That was my own discomfort. And it wasn't that he did something wrong because I really think that the way he asked those questions and responded was like really, really supportive. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to understand. He just wanted to understand. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, what are you thinking? So I can also be on the same page kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that. And I think that stuff like that should, you know, I think that, Everybody's different, of course, and we can all have our own feelings, but I feel like those are questions that are more supportive versus being more questioning or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it always comes down to intention as well. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's always the intention. As long as that's good, like, the questions can follow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So basically, like, if you're a medical professional, uh, just sign the forms. (laughs) Like, just... Don't be a gatekeeper. Like, if you have someone you love in your life that tells you that they're trans, be supportive. I think the support is, like, just the overwhelming thing. Like Yeah. Medical. Believe us. Whatever. Believe us, support us, and help us when we ask for it. Yeah. 
unless there is a concrete reason otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's it. Like, because mm-hmm. there are going to be times, you know, there's going to be that one in a thousand or whatever where, like, it's just not right for mm-hmm. that person. But there's going to be a reason. It's not going to be like, you're the person I'm picking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, just like, trust what trust what we're saying and feeling and if you can't keep it to yourself because like that shouldn't be our burden to mm-hmm. to bear we're but, already going we're, we're already dealing with enough like right it, don't don't project your shit onto us as well <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's gatekeeping <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of Transitional Wisdom. If you feel you'd like to share your story or if there's a topic you would like us to cover, please email us at nash at transitionalwisdom.org or visit our website transitionalwisdom.org. And please don't forget to like, share, rate, whatever. It really helps us reach a wider audience of people who may find this helpful. And hey, thanks. Who knew this would happen to magic? Potion could save my life